0: Chapter Twelve of The Secret Power. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. The Secret Power by Marie Corelli. Chapter Twelve. Gwent was silent. With methodical care, he flicked off the burnt end of his cigar and watched it where it fell, as though it were something rare and curious. He wanted a few minutes to think. He gave a quick upward glance at the tall athletic figure above him, with its magnificent head and flashing eyes, and the words, I'll be master of the world, gave him an unpleasant thrill. One man on the planet with power to destroy nations seemed quite a fantastic idea, yet science made it actually possible. He bethought himself of a book he had lately read concerning radioactivity in which he had been struck by the following passage Radioactivity is an explosive of great violence the energy exerted is millions of times more powerful than the highest explosive substance yet made in our laboratories one bomb loaded with such energy would be equal to millions of bombs of the same size and energy as used in the trenches one's mind stands aghast at the thought of what could be possible if such power were used for destructive purposes a single aeroplane could carry sufficient to annihilate a whole army or lay the biggest city in ruins with the death of all its inhabitants the writer of the book in question had stated that so far no means had been found of conserving and concentrating this tremendous force for such uses but gwent looking at roger seaton said within himself he's got it and this impression urging itself strongly in on his brain was sufficiently startling to give him a touch of what is called nerves after a considerably long pause he said slowly well master of the world is a pretty tall order now look here seaton you're a plain straight man and so am i as much as my business will let me what are you after anyway what is your aim and end you say you don't want money yet money is the chief goal of all men's ambition you don't care for fame though you could have it for the lifting of a finger and i suppose you don't want love seaton laughed heartily pushing back with a ruffling hand the thick hair from his broad open brow all three propositions are nil to me he said i suppose it is because i can have them for the asking and what satisfaction is there in any one of them a man only needs one dinner a day a place to sleep in and ordinary clothes to wear very little money is required for the actual necessaries of life enough can be earned by any day-labourer as for fame whosoever reads the life of even one famous man will never be such a fool as to wish for the capricious plaudits of a fool public and love love does not exist not what i call love oh may i have your definition why yes of course you may love to my thinking means complete harmony between two souls like two notes that make a perfect chord the man must feel that he can thoroughly trust and reverence the woman the woman must feel the same towards the man and the sense of reverence is perhaps the best and most binding quality but nowadays what woman will you find worth reverence what man so free from drink and debauchery as to command it the human beings of our day are often less respectable than the beasts i can imagine love what it might be what it should be but till we have a very different and more spiritualized world the thing is impossible again Gwent was silent for some minutes then he said apparently the spirit of destructiveness is strong in you as master of the world to quote your own words i presume that in the event of a nation or nations deciding on war it would give them a time limit to consider and hold conference with their allies and then if they were resolved to begin hostilities then i could and would wipe them off the face of the earth in twenty-four hours said seaton calmly from nations they should become mere dust-heaps war makes its own dust-heaps but with infinitely more cost and trouble the way of exit i offer would be cheap in comparison gwynne smiled a grim smile well i come back to my former question he said suppose the occasion arose and you did all this what pleasure to yourself do you foresee the pleasure of clearing the poor old earth of some of its pestilential microbes answered seaton something of the same thankful satisfaction sir ronald ross must have experienced when he discovered the mosquito breeders of yellow fever and malaria and caused them to be stamped out the men who organize national disputes are a sort of mosquito infecting their fellow-creatures with perverted mentality and disease they should be exterminated why not begin with the newspaper offices suggested gwent the purliest of cheap journalism are the breeding-places of the human malaria mosquito true and it wouldn't be a bad idea to stamp them out here seaton threw back his head with the challenging gesture which was characteristic of his temperament but what is called the liberty of the press it should be called the license of the press is more of an octopus than a mosquito cut off one tentacle it grows another it's entirely octopus in character too it only lives to fill its stomach oh come come and Gwynt's little steely eyes sparkled. it's the safeguard of nations don't you know it stands for honest free speech truth patriotism justice good god Burst out seaton impatiently when it does then the new world about which men talk so much may get a beginning honest free speech truth why modern journalism is one great lie advertised on hoardings from one end of the world to the other i agree said gwent and there you have the root and cause of war no need to exterminate nations with your destructive stuff you should get at the microbes who undermine the nations first when you can do that you will destroy the guilty and spare the innocent whereas your plan of withering a nation into a dust-heap involves the innocent along with the guilty war does that said seaton curtly it does and your aim is to do away with all chance or possibility of war for ever good but you need to attack the actual root of the evil seaton's brow clouded into a frown you're a careful man Gwent," he said and in the main you are right i know as well as you do that the license of the press is the devil's finger in the cauldron of affairs stirring up strife between nations that would probably be excellent friends and allies if it were not for this licensed mischief but so long as the mob reads the lies, so long will the liars flourish and my argument is that if any two peoples are so brainless as to be led into war by their press they are not fit to live no more fit than the mosquitoes that once made panama a graveyard gwynne smoked leisurely regarding his companion with unfeigned interest apparently you haven't much respect for life he said not when it is diseased life not when it is perverted life returned seaton then it is mere deformity and encumbrance for life itself in all its plenitude health and beauty i have the deepest most passionate respect it is the outward ray or reflex of the image of god stop there interrupted gwent you believe in god i do most utterly that is to say i believe in an all-pervading mind originating and commanding the plan of the universe we talk of ions and electrons but we are driven to confess that a supreme intelligence has the creation of electrons and directs them as to the formation of all existing things to that mind to that intelligence i submit my soul and i do not believe that this supreme mind desires evil or sorrow we create disaster ourselves and it is ourselves that must destroy it we are given free will if we will to create disease we must equally will to exterminate it by every means in our power i think i follow you said gwent slowly but now as regards this supreme intelligence i suppose you will admit that the plan of creation is a dual sort of scheme that is to say male and female created he them why of course and seaton smiled question is superfluous i asked it went on gwent because you seem to eliminate the female element from your life altogether therefore so i take it you are not at your full strength either as a scientist or a philosopher you are a kind of eagle trying to fly high on one wing you'll need the other there don't look at me in that savage way i'm merely making my own comments on your position you needn't mind them i want to get out of the tangle-up of things you have suggested you fancy it would be easy to get the united states government to purchase your discovery and pledge themselves to use it on occasion for the complete wiping out of a nation any nation that decided to go to war and failing their acceptance or the acceptance of any government on these lines you propose doing the deed yourself well i can tell you straight away it's no use my trying to negotiate such a business the inhumanity of it is too palpable what of the inhumanity of war asked seaton that pays replied gwent with emphasis you don't or won't seem to recognize that blistering fact the inhumanity of war pays everybody concerned in it except the fellows who fight to order they are the raw material they get used up your business wouldn't pay and what won't pay is no good to anybody in this present sort of world seaton still standing erect bent his eyes on the lean hard features of his companion with eloquent scorn so everything must be measured and tested by money he said and yet you senators talk of reform of a new world of a higher code of conduct between man and man yes we talk interrupted gwent but we don't mean what we say we should never think of meaning it scribes and pharisees hypocrites quoted seaton with passionate emphasis just so the lord christ said it two thousand years ago and it's true today. we haven't improved with an impatient movement seaton strode to the door of his hut and looked out at the wide sky then turned back again gwent watched him critically after all, he said, it isn't as if you wanted anything of anybody. Money is no object of yours. If it were, I should advise your selling your discovery to Morgana Royal. She'd buy it. And, I tell you what, she'd use it. Thanks. And Seaton nodded curtly. I can use it myself. True. And Gwent looked interestedly at his dwindling Havana. You can there followed a pause during which Quint thought of the strange predicament in which the world might find itself under the scientific rule of one man who had it in his power to create a terrific catastrophe without even showing his hand anyway seaton you surely want to make something out of life for yourself don't you what is there to be made out of it he asked well happiness the physical pleasure of living i am happy declared seaton and i entirely appreciate the physical pleasure of living but i should be happier and better pleased with life if i could rid the earth of some of its mischief disease and sorrow how about leaving that to the supreme intelligence interposed Quint. that's just it the supreme intelligence led me to the discovery i have made and i feel that it has been given into my hands for a purpose gwent i am positive that this same supreme intelligence expects this creature man to help him in the involvement and work of the universe it is the only reasonable cause for man's existence we must help not hinder the scheme of which we are a part and wherever hindrance comes in we are bound to remove and destroy it the last ash of gwent's cigar fell to the floor and gwent himself rose from his chair well i suppose we've had our talk out he said "'I came here prepared to offer you a considerable sum for your discovery, but I can't go so far as a government pledge. "'So I must leave it to you. "'You know,' here he hesitated, "'you know a good many people would consider you mad?' Seaton laughed. "'Oh, that goes without saying. "'Did you ever hear of any scientist possessing a secret drawn from the soul of nature that was not called mad at once by his compeers and the public?' "'I can stand that accusation. "'Pray heaven, I never get as mad as a Wall Street gambler.' "'You will, if you gamble with the lives of nations,' said Gwent. "'Let the nations beware how they gamble with their own lives,' retorted Seton. "'You say war is a method of money-making. "'Let them take heed how they touch money coined in human blood. "'I, one man only, but an instrument of the supreme intelligence, "'I say and swear there shall be no more wars.' As he uttered these words, there was something almost supernatural in the expression of his face. His attitude, proudly erect, offered a kind of defiance to the world, and involuntarily, Gwent, looking at him, thought of the verse in the third psalm. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of the people that have set themselves against me round about. No, he would not be afraid— Quint mused. He is a man for whom there is no such thing as fear. But, if it knew, the world might be afraid of him. Aloud, he said, Well, you may put it into war, but you will never put an end to men's hatred and envy of one another. And if they can't let the steam off in fighting, they'll find some other way which may be worse. If you come to consider it, all nature is at war with itself. It's a perpetual struggle to live, and it's evident that the struggle was intended and ordained as universal law life would be pretty dull without effort and effort means war war against what against whom asked seaton against whatever or whoever opposes the effort replied gwent promptly there must be opposition otherwise effort would be unnecessary my good fellow you've got an idea that you can alter the fixed plan of things but you can't the cleverest of us are only like goldfish in a glass bowl they see the light through but they cannot get to it the old ship of the world will sail on its appointed way to its destined port and the happiest creatures are those who are content to sail with it in the faith that god is at the helm he broke off smiling at his own sudden eloquence then added by the by where is your laboratory haven't got one replied seaton briefly what haven't got one why how do you make your stuff seaton laughed you think i'm going to tell you mr senator Gwent? you take me for a greater fool than i am my stuff needs neither fire nor crucible the formula was fairly complete before i left washington but i wanted quiet and solitude to finish what i had begun it is finished now that's why i sent for you to make the proposition which you say you cannot carry through finished is it queried gwent abstractedly and you have it here in a finished state seaton nodded affirmatively then i suppose said gwent with a nervous laugh you could finish me if it suited your humour i could certainly and seaton gave him quite an encouraging smile i could reduce mr senator gwent into a small pinch of grey dust in about forty seconds without pain you wouldn't feel it i assure you it would be too swift for feeling thanks much obliged said Gwent. i won't trouble you this morning i rather enjoy being alive so do i declared seaton still smiling i could only state what i could do Gwent stood at the door of the hut and surveyed the scenery you've a fine wild view here he said i think i shall stay at the plaza a day or two before returning to washington "'There's a very attractive girl there.' "'Oh, you mean Manella?' said Seaton carelessly. "'Yes, she's quite a beauty. She's the maid, waitress, or help of some sort at the hotel.' "'She's a good draw for male visitors,' said Gwent. "'Many a man I know would pay a hundred dollars a day to have her wait upon him.' "'Would you?' asked Seaton, amused. "'Well, perhaps not a hundred dollars a day, but pretty near it. Her eyes are the finest I've ever seen.' Seaton made no comment. "'You'll come and dine with me to-night, won't you?' went on Gwent. "'You can spare me an hour or two of your company.' "'No, thanks,' Seaton replied. "'Don't think me a churlish brute. "'But I don't like hotels or the people who frequent them. "'Besides, we've done our business.' "'Unfortunately, there was no business doing,' said Gwent. "'Sorry I couldn't take it on. "'Don't be sorry. "'I'll take it on myself when the moment comes. "'I would have preferred the fiat of a great government "'to that of one unauthorized man.' "'but if there's no help for it, then the one man must act.' Gwent looked at him with a grave intenseness which he meant to be impressive. "'Seaton, these new scientific discoveries are dangerous tools,' he said. "'If they are not handled carefully, they may work more mischief than we dream of. "'Be on your guard. "'Why, we might break up the very planet we live on some day.' "'Very possible,' answered Seaton lightly. "'But it wouldn't be missed. "'Come, I'll walk with you halfway down the hill.' he threw on a broad palmetto hat as a shield against the blazing sun for it was now the full heat of the afternoon while gwent solemnly unfurled a white canvas umbrella which folded served him on occasion as a walking stick a greater contrast could hardly be imagined than that afforded by the two men the conventionally clothed stiff-jointed washington senator and the fine easy supple figure of his roughly garbed companion and manella watching them descend the hill from a coin of vantage in the plaza gardens criticised their appearance in her own special way poof she said to herself snapping her fingers in air he is so ugly that one man so dry and yellow and old but the other he is a god and she snapped her fingers again then kissed them towards the object of her admiration her object as unconscious and indifferent as any senseless idol ever worshipped by blind devotees End of chapter twelve